Ladies and gentlemen of the congregation, welcome to another edition of the Motorsport Ministry, your home for all hot takes, things, and news, and other things revolving around the racing world. Today's episode is going to consist of talking about the parody of NASCAR, which has returned. We're going to talk about Max Verstappen versus Charles Leclerc, as that looks like it's going to be the championship battle for the rest of the Formula One season. We're going to give you our race weekend ranking, sponsored by John and V's Barbershop, and finish off the episode with our weekly verse of the week. So without further ado, let's get started by talking about the next-gen car. One of the things about the next-gen car, which was obviously things they were trying to promote, is try to create more parity in the sport. You don't want to see the same guys winning over and over and over again every single year, every single week, every single race. And, I mean, look no further than Kyle Larson last year winning 10 races. I mean, he won nearly a third of the damn schedule. NASCAR, yeah, it's kind of fun to see, you know, looking back on it, see a driver be able to dominate like that, but especially in the moment, no sport really wants that. Especially a sport like NASCAR, where they pride themselves in 40 given cars can win in any given week. So have they accomplished that so far? We're six races, six races into the next gen. Have they accomplished that? Well, let's look at the list of winners that we've had so far for the 2022 season. We had Austin Sendrick, who won the Daytona 500. Kyle Larson, who won at Fontana, who really only won at Fontana because Tyler Reddick blew a tire, and then William Byron kamikazed him. Alex Bowman, who won in Vegas because he got a last lap pass on Kyle Larson. Chase Briscoe, who was up front all day long. William Byron, who was up front all day long in Atlanta. And then Ross Chastain, our most recent winner at Circuit of the Americas. Only two of those drivers have more than five wins, those being Kyle Larson and Alex Bowman. Larson with, I believe, 16 or 17, and Alex Bowman with seven. Three first-time winners in a six-race span, those being Austin Sendrick, Chase Briscoe, and Ross Chastain, respectively. Parity has been brought back to NASCAR. We have more teams that are consistently race-winner contenders than we had in years past, even just as recent as last year. And even once we start getting teams like the JGRs and the Penske's and the RFK's, some teams that are usually race-win contenders but are kind of struggling at the moment, teams like that, they're going to figure it out, and then we're going to add more names to the list. Now, obviously, it helps when you have a spec race car. But then again, to be fair, NASCAR has really been on the engineering side for over a decade. Their marketing and just their brand in general has never really been, at least since the 2010s, it never really was about, look how look at the engineering of these cars. Like, when I talk with my buddy Will, okay, and ask our opinion, he talks about how, you know, one of the great things about the cars back in the day is how you can, you know, try to figure out, are these cars going to make it the four or 500 miles or the four or the 500 laps? Now, because these cars, I mean, if you really wanted to, these cars could probably last 9, 10, 11 plus. They could probably run the whole 24 hours of Le Mans if they really wanted to. So the engineering aspect of it, it's not really there. And you also see that with NASCAR's promotion. They promote more of, you know, the racing itself, the side-by-side, the beating and banging. And they promote more of the drivers themselves, even though they do a terrible job of promoting said drivers. So, let's take a look at, I gave, so I came up with a list of teams I believe could win in any given week with this next-gen car in 2022. I got the number three. The three team, the four, the six, the eight, the nine, 10, 11, 12, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, the 23, the 31, the 41, the 42, the 43, the 45, and the 99. Those are teams that have yet to win a race this year that I believe 
you know, once we head to Richmond, I believe all those teams, and obviously including the teams that have won a race this year, could legitimately win that race. I'm not including teams like Rick Ware Racing or, you know, teams like that where, you know, like the money team racing where you know they're not going to win. Like they need to have a lot go right with them to be able to win. Now, the teams I've labeled obviously have not yet won a race. So if all those teams I've mentioned, I'm going to try to decide who I think can will actually win a race before the playoffs. So let's get started. Do I think Austin Dillon's going to win a race before the playoffs? No. Kevin Harvick? Yeah, I think he will. Storehouse Racing has the speed. He's been consistently inside the top five, inside the top ten. We go to a track that he's really good at. I think he'll be up front. He'll have a chance to have a win. Do I think Brad Keselowski won a race before the playoffs end? No. I have not seen the consistent speed out of RFK to consistently be a race win contender like the 14 is, like the 8 is, or the 1 is. Do I think Tyler Reddick will win a race? I'll be more surprised if he doesn't win a race. Do I think Chase Elliott will win the race? I think he will. He's the points leader. Do I think Amarola will win a race? I don't think so. I think he's the weakling out of storehouse racing, maybe besides Cole Custer. But then again, he managed to win a race last year, so anything can happen. Denny Hamlin and Ryan Blaney, I think those two will definitely find victory lane this year. Even though Denny Hamlin hasn't even found a top 10 this year, that team will get themselves rolling and Hamlin will nab himself a win eventually. Even though it took him to, even though Hamlin didn't win a race at all in the regular season, I think he definitely will this year. The 16 car. That is obviously a team that has a revolving door drivers. I do think they will eventually win a race. Most likely, it's going to be with A.J. Allmendinger at a road course, but Allmendinger's managed to win a race last year in a part-time stint where that 16 car was a part-time stint. I do think that, you know, with the 16 car, that car is running the entire season, so they got more mileage under their belt. I think A.J. Allmendinger will be able to take advantage of that, and again, because this is a car that's designed for road courses, you saw that Circuit of the Americas just two days ago, A.J. Allmendinger, I think, will manage to nab another win at a road course this year. Chris Buescher, I don't see him winning a race before the playoffs. I don't see the speed out of RFK. The 18, the 19, the 20, I do think all those teams will win a race before the playoffs begin. Again, JGR, they'll eventually figure it out. Those driver, maybe Christopher Bell, you can argue, won't win a race. But especially for the past week or two, he's been starting to consistently have top 5, top 10 speed. That 20 team, they're starting to figure things out. I do think they will nab a win along with his 19 and 18 teammates. I don't see Harrison Burton winning a race. He's having a dismal rookie year, and as of now, I don't see any signs of that changing. Joey Logano is obviously going to win a race. When we head to Bristol during a couple weeks, he's a defending winner. He'll have a shot to win. I don't see Bubba Wallace or the 31 or the 41 making getting into victory lane before the end of the season. Maybe Bubba Wallace at Talladega, Atlanta, or Daytona. He has a very, very, very good chance. I'll probably my, He'll probably win one of those races. I wouldn't be surprised. I just don't see it happening. You know, too much is going on. You can never really, with a super speedway, super speedway race, pinpoint one driver as a definite winner. So I'm not going to do the same thing with Bubba Wallace. I don't see Ty Dillon winning a race. To be honest, I don't even see Ty Dillon getting more than one top 10 throughout the year. Let's move on. Eric Jones, I genuinely believe, can win a race this year. He's had the top 5 speed. He's had the top 10 speed. He just hasn't finished a race. And even when he does, like, let's say, for example, a Circuit of the Americas, he had an issue. He still rallied back to finish inside the top 10. That 43 team has speed to make potentially make the playoffs on points. I think Eric Jones can steal a win, really even at a mile and a half. You saw how well he did at Auto Club. 
He had a top five, top ten run going in Las Vegas before he had his issue. Eric Jones, don't be surprised if that 43 makes it to victory lane. Kurt Busch, he wins a race almost every year. He has top five speed. He has top ten speed. I think that 45 car will visit victory lane, as do I think Daniel Suarez. I think Suarez will finally get his first career win. Trackhouse is on fire right now. Don't be surprised if Suarez makes it to victory lane, really within the next couple races. Hell, Bristol Dirt is coming up. That He led, I believe, 70 laps in that race, won a stage. Why can't Suarez win the Bristol Dirt race? He was in contention. He's arguably in a faster car. I don't see why Suarez could win. So I just named 19 winners for 16 playoff spots. Come playoff time, those playoff spots are going to be more valuable, more crucial when we head to September. And even if you don't even, and even if you count the drivers who I just said won't win a race, that's 24 teams that have yet to win a race that could still win. And if you count the teams that have won, that's 30 full-time drivers. 30 full-time teams that can win weekend and week out, in my opinion. That is amazing. So props to NASCAR for, you know, with this next gen, doing what they said they were going to do. Open the door. Make more parity. Allow more teams to be competitive. And again, I just said, I just named 30 full-time teams that you can make the argument can win weekend and week out. So props to NASCAR for getting this next gen right, for making it to where teams can actually be competitive. Some teams like maybe a Trackhouse or Richard Childress that you never thought would be competitive, especially last year, they're capable of winning races and competing for championships this year. So props to NASCAR. They brought the parity back into the sport, and we're going to have a lot of fun, and it's going to be really interesting to see if some of if all 16 drivers have a win, and maybe some drivers on the outside looking in also have a win as well. So moving on to our second topic, let's move on from, you know, inclusive racing, where basically it seems like anyone can win the championship, to more exclusive battles for the championship. Let's talk about Max Verstappen and Charles Leclerc. So as I've stated before, Max Verstappen versus Charles Leclerc. This is the new Max Verstappen versus Lewis Hamilton. Two races in a row, we've had both drivers where they're in contention for the win, Charles Leclerc managed to win in Bahrain, and Max Verstappen managed to win two days ago in Jeddah. And had Max Verstappen not DNF'd in Bahrain, both could be tied for the championship two races in. I think Leclerc actually might be one point ahead because he, I think he did manage to grab the fastest laps in both races, but I could be wrong. So what I want to talk about for a little bit is how will each driver push the other? What do I mean by that? Well, obviously, let's dive into it. Charles Leclerc, let's look at each driver. He's Ferrari's golden boy. They signed him to, I believe, a four- or five-year-long contract. He's never had a title-challenging car. 2019 was the last time he was able to win a race before this year, and then 2020-2021 was a rebuild period for Ferrari. So he's trying to bring Ferrari back to relevance. It's very well documented. They have not won a driver's title since Kimi Raikkonen in 07 or a constructor's title since 2008. So Leclerc is trying to break that Ferrari curse, if you will. Then you have Max Verstappen. He's the defending champion. People view Some people view his championship as illegitimate because of what happened in the last lap at Abu Dhabi. So he really has a chip on his shoulder. He's trying to prove people, hey, I deserve that championship. I deserve to have the number one on my car. So I'm going to go out and prove it. I'm going to go back to back. So you have the golden boy, 
who's trying to bring his team back to relevance. And then you have the defending champion with a chip on the shoulder, who's trying to prove that his championship is actually legitimate. And really another argument is, really whoever wins out of the two could decide who's going to lead the youth movement. Formula One is in a youth movement. You have a lot of young drivers who can win, who can you can argue are world championship material. You got the two mentioned, Verstappen and Leclerc. Verstappen obviously won his world championship. But then you got others. You got Lando Norris, George Russell. You know, even Guan Yu Zhou. He's been very impressive throughout his rookie year. And even if you don't include them, you include just some others who are just there, like, you know, Lance Stroll or Nicholas Latifi. Formula One is in the youth movement. The old guards are getting out. Kimi Raikkonen is gone. Alonso might be on his way out. It seems like every other year, it seems like every year Lewis Hamilton is contemplating retirement. Vettel doesn't have it anymore. So the new guards are taking over. So who's going to be the driver to lead that front? Right now it's Verstappen, but if Leclerc pushes him and actually manages to beat Verstappen, Leclerc might be viewed as the guy to lead this youth movement going forward. So then you also have that aspect as well. So, I honestly think this battle might be more interesting than Lewis versus Max. Because, yeah, you have the old guard versus the new. You got the greatest driver of all time versus who could be one of the greatest drivers of all time in Lewis and Max. But now you got what I mentioned before. Trying to bring a team back to relevance. Trying to defend his title. Who's going to be the top dog in terms of these young drivers for many years to come? This year could decide that. And... We could see a lot more aggression out of Charles and Max throughout this entire season. Yeah, we had instances between Lewis and Max. Lewis, a veteran. Max, a young guy. You know, most of the time it was on Max. Lewis, he very rarely makes mistakes. Charles is known for making mistakes. Max, he'll be very aggressive. We could see a lot more incidents coming out of these two than we did out of our previous two protagonists last year. So that's something to keep your eye on. How much at stake is it for this Formula 1 World Championship? Who's going to lead the youth movement going forward? Will it be Max Verstappen coming out as a back-to-back champion, proving that he is deserving to be one of the legit champions of the sport and that the last stop at Abu Dhabi was not determined because of that? Or is it going to be Charles Leclerc, who's going to bring his team back to relevance, who's going to give Ferrari that push that they've desperately needed for decades and many, many years? It's going to be very fascinating to watch. And... You know, when you see it with those eyes, it really makes the championship for Formula One this year a lot more special. So let's move on now to one of my favorite segments of this series. It is Race Weekend Rankings Time, sponsored by Johnny B's Barbershop. If you're in the South Florida area and need of a fresh cut, head over to Johnny B's Barbershop. Located on Sterling Road and David Road Extension, Rob, Will, Johnny, and the rest of the crew will not only give you an amazing haircut and shave, the best you've ever had in your life, but a friendly atmosphere you don't get at other big barber chains. So head over to Johnny B's Barbershop for your next haircut and tell them that I sent you. So we got four races that we're going to rank this week. We got the the three NASCAR races at Circuit of the Americas, along with the Formula One race at Jeddah. So without further ado, let's jump into it, talking with number four on the list. I got the Xfinity race at Circuit of the Americas. And if you guys don't know how these ratings work, I give you the race. And then I base the race off their biggest moment, the worst moment, and the best moment. So pretty much, I think of all those moments, and that's how I come up with my ranking. And this also helps because, you know, 
I usually don't have time to watch every single race. So if I'm able to pick out specific moments, which ones pop out to me more, which ones don't pop out to me as much, it can help me determine a ranking a lot easier. Starting with the Nike Sin number four in the Xfinity at Circuit of the Americas. The biggest moment for me was the Ross Chastain spin. Why is that the biggest moment for me? Because it took a, a contender out of the race. A driver who could have legitimately won, potentially dominated the race. With that spin, it took him out of contention. Which is also the worst moment for me on the list. Because, you know, imagine having that battle between Ross Chastain, A.J. Allmendinger. The same battle we had for the Cup Series. We could have had that for back-to-back days. Xfinity and Cup. We were robbed of that chance with Ross Chastain's spin. So the best moment for me, I guess, because the race didn't really have any that many memorable moments, in my opinion, besides the Ross Chastain spin. So for the best moment, I'm going to give it to AJ Allmendinger winning the race. Just because Allmendinger, he's an emotional guy. He's one of the few personalities left in the sport. So when he wins, you know he pours his emotion out. So that's why I'm giving it the best moment, AJ Allmendinger winning for the number four race on the list. Number three, I'm giving it to the Truck Series race at Circuit of the Americas. The biggest moment for me, the overtime crash for two to go. Alex Bowman, Stuart Fries, and Kyle Busch all getting into it, allowing Zane Smith to just pass on by and win the race. There wasn't really necessarily a worse moment of the race for me that I could see from the highlights and from the few laps that I've seen. So I'm just going to go with a generic one for the worst moment of the meet, and that's just a caution laps, where you have caution laps where Freddie Kraft and, you know, Brett Griffin said on Door Bumper Clear today, at least from what I was watching today, caution laps were 8 to 10 minutes long for one lap. I don't know how NASCAR could fix that. I don't know if having a local yellow will work at for NASCAR stock cars, you know, because it takes so long for the cars to slow down anyway. It's not like an IndyCar Formula 1 where they could just slow down like that. So it's kind of be interesting to see how that works. But the caution laps are way too long. You can literally probably go to your local McDonald's, get some food, come back, and they'll still be under caution. Best moment for me was overtime. I mean, yes, all three leaders wrecked. Yes, it took them all out of contention. We had, a, you know, Zane Smith, who dominated the race, fully deserved to win that race, got that race that he deserved to win back in the bag. And again, it was just a very exciting moment that turned the tables for this season. Number two on the list, I'm going to give it to Formula One at Saudi Arabia, at Jeddah. Biggest moment for me was the Nicholas Latifi crash because it set up, obviously, the safety car, the virtual safety car, which led to the worst moment of the race for me was how Sergio Perez, who was comfortably up front, his race was ruined because of said safety car because he came into the pits at a misfortunate time. And then the best moment for me in the race was Max Verstappen versus Charles Leclerc. That entire last third of the race where those two were just duking it out for the race win, that was fantastic racing, a great display of not only the new regulations of how the cars can actually overtake and follow each other, but just how talented these two drivers are. You got the Red Bull, the Ferrari, who's going to come out on top? And like I said it in the previous segment, this is going to be a very fun battle to watch throughout the entire season. So that leaves only one race left, and I'm giving it to the Cup Series race at Circuit of the Americas. Biggest moment for me? Um, the last lap. <laughs> if you don't pick the last lap, then I don't know what you can pick when you have Ross Chastain, AJ Allmendinger, Alex Bowman all battling for the win. And then you got Ross Chastain who just sends it. Sends Alex Bowman, AJ Allmendinger like, nope, track limits, those don't exist for you. I'm going to go and win this race. Ross Chastain fully deserved. That was an amazing last lap. Worst moment was NASCAR's track limit enforcement. You had 
drivers complaining about how the nine and the five car were, you know, consistently breaking the track limits, cutting the course. NASCAR did nothing about that. Gave a couple of warnings, but that's about it. And then you have NASCAR penalize the 34. They penalize the 23, like in a heartbeat. We know NASCAR's inconsistent with their calls, but that was just unacceptable. Like, even if you, like, either enforce all the track limits exactly the same or don't have track limits at all. Because you can't have this nonsense. I know Kyle Larson ended up breaking out of the race for, like, the 10th week in a row. And Chase Elliott, he's still the points leader, so it didn't really affect him that much. So NASCAR needs to clean it up. It feels like we're saying this every week, and at this point, I'm going to stop saying it because I don't even think it's going to happen. The best moment for me, if you've watched this show multiple times, listen to it. You already know what I'm going to pick for the best moment of this race. Brand new winner, first time winner. I love seeing a new winner in victory lane. Ross Chastain gets it done. His fourth or fifth, I believe, top three finish in a row. He had it coming. He deserved to win this race. Led the most laps in contention all race long. Really seemed like the only car and driver that could pull away from the rest of the field. So great job, Ross Chastain. Great job for that one team. Great job for Trackhouse. I said Trackhouse would make the playoffs. Last year, I said that their driver would win a race last year with the wrong driver. So, <laughs> if this came last year with Suarez at Bristol Dirt, I'd look a lot smarter. But, again, Trackhouse, my favorite new team in the sport. I love what they're doing. Obviously, having Pitbull helps. But, again, having a first-time winner is always going to do wonders for the sport. And that's number one on my list. So, to reiterate, number four is the Xfinity race. Number two is the truck race. Number two is Formula One. And number one on the list is the Cup Series race. That's Circuit of the Americas. All right, so now let's finish off the episode with our verse of the week. We're going to open the scriptures, the Motor Ministry scriptures, and we're going to add a new verse to, you want to call it the Motor Ministry Bible if you want, or whatever religion your heart desires. So... With our, I guess, my friend, and at this point, our unofficial producer, NASCAR Opinion, came up with this verse. So here it is. Opening the scriptures. It's going in. The fine print. For verse. First Chastain, chapter 1, verse 3. For Dale, a win is a win no matter who you spin. That is your Motor Ministry verse of the week. And that's going to conclude it for this episode of the Motorsport Ministry. I hope you guys enjoyed listening. Thank you so much. If you want to listen to the rest of the catalog, just search up the Motorsport Ministry on Spotify. You can find all previous episodes. Thank you guys so much, and we will see you next time.